Well, welcome to everyone today. And uh, if you are a guest with us today, we are we are so happy to have you in service with us. Thank you for being here. We want you to be at home, feel at home, feel like you belong. Because just like you, all of us showed up one time and it was new and different, but here we are. Brother Sister Johnson, it's so good to see you folks today. Brother Johnson went through some heart issues earlier in the year, and this is their first time to be in a service, and um, they're kind of over in the back to be cautious still, so do not go and greet them afterwards closer than six feet away, but it's so good to see you folks this morning. If you're watching us online, we welcome you today. And pray that you're blessed by this service. In Jesus' name. Would you stand? I need your help this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm out of practice. So I, I need, need a little extra support and help. <laughs> Matthew chapter 27. I'm going to read a fairly significant portion of this chapter read the first couple of verses and then we'll skip down a few verses verse number one when the morning was come all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death when they had bound him they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate the governor Skipping down to verse number 15. Now at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they gathered together, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus Christ, which is called Christ? And Pilate's hope was that they were going to ask for Jesus to be released. But to his surprise, that was not the response. For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, have you have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things in this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether Of the twain will ye that I release unto you. They said Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them. What shall I do then with Jesus which is called Christ? They all say unto him. Let him be crucified. And the governor said why? What evil hath he done? Kind of of sounds like 2020. Let's crucify Jesus again. Wait a minute. What what evil has he done? What has he done to deserve to be crucified? (laughs) But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw 
that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made. He took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. He washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Father, we thank you for your presence that we have been privileged to be in today. Thank you for your spirit that has been flowing in this sanctuary. Thank you for every heart and every life that has already been touched today by your spirit. Now, God, I pray that through your word, hearts and lives would be touched today. I pray, God, that you would speak to us today. God, I don't want to preach a sermon this morning because that's what's expected in a service. I I want to be a conduit through which you can say what you want to say, that hearts and lives may be touched today. I trust in you today, Lord. I depend upon you for your anointing. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This chapter, at least in the book of Matthew, is sort of where, I think in some ways you could say, the final events of Jesus' life really begins. This being brought before Pilate and them crying out for him to be crucified. In fact, I believe it's in the remainder of this very chapter that Jesus begins the journey uh, up to Mount Calvary with the cross. And Pilate is a fairly significant player in in this drama, if you will, that is unfolding. They they bring Jesus to Pilate. Pilate was was a Roman, and so his role of governing was from the standpoint of of that of a Roman. He was not a Jew. And it it appears from the reading of this passage that uh and if you read the other gospels and their account of Pilate and these these events, it appears as though there was something inside of Pilate that was drawn to Jesus. It, it appears as though in spite of what the crowd was demanding, there was something inside of Pilate that recognized that this is not just an ordinary man, which is the reason why, again, he he presents this option of Barabbas, who was a known criminal, and Jesus, who was not a criminal, he was just a man they they had issues with because of who he said he was, who he proclaimed to be. And I think Pilate was somehow hoping that when he presented the option of Barabbas or Jesus, they would see Barabbas and knowing what he was, knowing the crimes he had committed, that they would have cried out, we want Jesus. But it it didn't work that way. So the Bible says that once it was essentially a done deal, he he gets some water and he begins to wash his hands before the multitude. 
I think there was a part of that of washing his hands that was intended to be a sort of an outward demonstration to that crowd. I am, I am innocent of what you are doing. I am not the guilty party with what you are asking for and what you are going to do. And so as sort of a public demonstration, he washed his hands and says, I'm, I'm innocent of the blood of this just person. But I think there was another aspect of what was going on here besides just trying to give a public demonstration that I am showing you I'm innocent. I think there was something that had happened on the inside of Pilate. And when they, when everything worked out the way it did, that I think somehow Pilate was now dealing with this internal turmoil, this conflict and this guilt that as much as he was trying to say, I am not the responsible party for what you are doing here, there was something on the inside of him that recognized, I could do something about this, but I have chosen not to. And so he begins to wash his hands and, 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 and again, I think it was more symbolic for himself than it was. In fact, I know the scripture doesn't give us the details, but I can, I can almost imagine or I can imagine Pilate kind of standing there in a very agitated kind of way, washing his hands. Not, not, you know, we do foot washing and communion every now and then and, 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 and I've washed feet and if you don't know that, that's a biblical thing. If you never heard of it, it really is. And no, it's not an enjoyable, fun thing and that's not why we do it. But you know what? When, when we do foot washing for as long as I can remember, you, you, you kind of splash the water. Ain't nobody rubbing in between toes, cleaning out cracks. You, you kind of gingerly touch the foot. We're not scrubbing. We're not rubbing anything off here. I don't think that was the approach that Pilate was taking to the washing of his hands. Let me just dabble a little bit of water on my hands here. There was, there was something on the inside of him that was overtaken by the circumstances and, and, and I can see him, I, I can almost see him perhaps doing that to the point of beginning to even rub some of his parts of his hands raw, trying somehow to free himself of what was going on on the inside of him. The problem is this. You cannot fix a heart issue. You cannot fix a soul issue with a basin of water. You can't fix a heart issue with a physical solution. You can't fix a soul wound with a little bit of water that you dabble on your hands. And as much as Pilate wanted to do this to somehow rid himself of the guilt, there was no way. In fact, what is ironic in this story is the very thing he was symbolically washing his hands of 
was actually the very thing that was the solution to his problem. Oh, hallelujah. The very thing that he was trying to, again, figuratively get off of him was was actually the thing, Pilate, that's going to deal with that guilt. Because the blood, the innocent blood that you're trying to get rid of is actually the blood that is able to take away the guilt that you're dealing with. I am certain there are people in this place today that know not the same exact way, obviously, but in principle, there are some people in this place today that you are trying to do the same thing that Pilate did. You know you've got some stuff on the inside of you that's tormenting you and troubling you. you you've you got some guilt. You've got some condemnation. You're carrying some shame. And you're trying to find external things to fix what only the Spirit of God and the blood of Jesus Christ is able to fix. I tried to find it and I couldn't and therefore I probably, maybe I shouldn't even say it, but so hear me carefully. I, 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 I'm pretty certain I read one time in some of my studies that, that history says that Pilate essentially lost his mind after this. And that this act of washing of his hands became an obsession. Oh, is that not like some people today? It's not working, but you're still trying really hard. It's not changing anything, but you're still doing it over and over and over again. Because the solution is not in the physical realm. You know what's interesting to me is Pilate tried to use physical water as, as a part of this, this demonstration. And again, I think even of trying to do something because of what was going on on the inside of him. What's kind of amazing is the one who was the answer to Pilate and the physical act that Pilate did accomplish nothing. He's actually the one that every now and then uses physical things to do a supernatural work. <laughs> I'll give you just a couple of examples. One of them's found in the book of Exodus chapter number 15. The children of Israel are in the process of their journey from Egypt into the promised land. And the Bible says, Exodus 15, 22, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree, a tree, which when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made from for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. A tree, 
bitter water you can't drink from. See that tree? Throw it in the water. Why? For what reasons? What is that going to do? I don't know. That's just the way he's saying doing it. Saying to do it. Naaman, the captain, one of the captains, or the captain of the Syrian army, had been overcome with leprosy and a little Hebrew girl that had become his slave tells him, there's a, there's a prophet where I come from. There's a man of God where I come from that if you would go to that man of God, he's got what it takes to deal with your leprosy. And he goes, but he doesn't get the response he's expecting because he shows up and he comes as a very important person and all the prophet does is send out his servant. He doesn't even, doesn't even talk to him. And the servant says, Delivers the message to Naaman and says, you need to go down to the Jordan River and dip seven times in the river. What? For what? Why? Natural, physical water. And you, you're gonna go dip seven times. Why? And then, and then Naaman gets a little upset. He says, why, you know what? If I'm gonna go dip in a river, I'd rather go back home because I don't want to get in that dirty old Jordan River. And then Naaman's servant says, you know, there's a lot worse things you could be told to do. There's a lot bigger things you could have to try to do to get what you need. I mean, what what do you have to lose? And he goes down and dips seven times in that Jordan. And finally, after the seventh time, he comes up and he is made whole. God can use some physical things to bring about a supernatural thing. But we don't use natural things to fix supernatural things. Let me just, let me just, uh, take a little, uh, take a little side road here for a moment. For those of you that want to sit and think, you know what, why in the world would I ever spin and turn? That's so silly. You ain't gonna catch me doing it. Usually, you know what? It's usually not the guests that really say that. It's the, it's the heaven bound folks. I ain't turning. You might need to, cause if you don't turn, you might actually be on a different direction than you think you're on. Thankfully, most of the time, I don't think it's this way, but I've seen plenty of times where the baptistry Whatever season this church was in, whatever location, I've seen plenty of times where the baptistry could be described about like the Jordan River. I baptized a few folks in my life, in my ministry, my time of ministry where I was, God, please don't let them see this water. Please don't let them see the film that's on the top of this water. Please don't let them see that it obviously needs to be. Please don't let them see that, God. I don't think my prayer has ever been answered. But I tell you what happens time and time and time and time and time again. Clean water or dirty water. When you do the physical act. As a demonstration of faith. 
through a physical act, a supernatural thing can be done. So while you don't choose the physical act to fix the spiritual problem, God may require a physical act as a part of the process of fixing the spiritual problem. Oh, hallelujah. That's why you don't never need to come to church and just sit like a, like a bump on a log the whole time. Because God may respond to you just the way you're responding to Him. But when you begin to do something, and that may be simply nothing more than the lifting of a hand. It, it may just simply even be the tapping of a foot. But when you begin to participate in a physical act, somehow it opens up a door for there to be a spiritual encounter that can take place. So yes, I'll be the first to acknowledge this seems kind of silly to be doing. This seems kind of silly to be doing. This seems silly to do. This seems silly to do in a church service. But all I know is I've watched time and time and time again when there are some physical acts like that that have opened up a door of the supernatural. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Pilate. Pilate, there is a solution. There really is a solution, Pilate. You just got to get the right solution. Oh, there's, there's probably somebody, maybe just one person, but there's probably somebody here today that if, if you, maybe you're willing to just acknowledge it or maybe you'd have to be pressed a little bit to be really honest, but you, you would have to acknowledge, I, I'm, I'm, I'm living pretty hopeless. I'm living pretty hopeless. I, I'm living without a whole lot of hope for the future. I'm, I'm, I'm living without a whole lot of hope that life is going to get better. And, and, and we're living in a, you know, at least there's been a lot of times, I feel like at least in my lifetime, where while I was going through my own personal individual struggles, at least the world was still kind of okay. <laughs> I wasn't having to wear a mask every place I went. Wasn't happening, you know, yesterday, to me, one of the things yesterday was such a demonstration of is the fact that God wired us as human beings to need physical interaction. And while technology is a wonderful tool and resource... Technology, whether it's through the streaming of ministry or it's your personal communication with other people, technology cannot be a replacement for a God-given need that needs human interaction and connection. But then there are times, again, like this where... Man, you're going through your own stuff and your, your world. Maybe you're in a physical 
challenge. Maybe you're dealing with a disease or, or you're going through your own personal financial crisis or you've got family problems or you're dealing with addiction or, or you, you got, you got your own set of issues. But then you look at the, the rest of the world. You look at this nation that we have thought for so long was just so wonderful, perfect. No, but overall pretty wonderful. And, and you look at that. And your life is a mess, and then everything around you is a mess. It's a double whammy. (laughs) And if you're not careful, you can become extremely discouraged and depressed. And keep turning to a basin of water to fix what only God can fix. You immerse yourself in binging on Netflix or Hulu. Some of you aren't that familiar with those. Most of them, if you're watching a series, but and there's multiple episodes. When you when you get to the, epi- the end of the episode, there's like was it five seconds? I think five ten seconds. Click to watch the next. Somebody says it's in those 10 seconds whether you're deciding if you're a loser or not. (laughs) Next. You get done with that one. Next. You know, oh man. If you fall asleep, if you have to fall asleep every night with the TV on, You need to get rid of that water basin. You got to fall asleep every night with the television going because otherwise you just, you need to know something's wrong. That's not normal. That's because there's something deeper going on on the inside of you that needs to be fixed. And you're never going to fix it through a physical means. You're going to have to get the blood. That Pilate was trying to get rid of that blood applied to you. Because when that blood is applied and when that blood works, depression begins to go and, and oppression begins to go and the love of God begins to come in and perfect love casts out fear. There is an answer. You just gotta go to the right source. There is hope. It's not in next Tuesday. It's not in what the next political party that rules the next four years is going to do. And it's not what anybody else could do. There is only one hope. And there is a hope that is a very solid hope to build your life upon. And that is the hope that my God is able to do whatever I need in my life individually. God is able to deliver me of my addiction. God is able to wash me me clean of my sin no matter how far I've gone from him no matter what I've done the mistakes I've made the blood of Jesus the blood of Jesus oh the blood of Jesus oh the blood of Jesus it washes white 
as snow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, the problem is it's not just the, it's not just the unsaved person who begins to rely on their basins of water to wash their hands and free their minds, but born again people, if they're not careful, can start to turn to natural things or humanly created things to be your solution. Paul says this in Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 1. Oh foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, who has deceived you, that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? You know what's what's really amazing to me is is after we go through a period of time and and, and I don't know that can really vary some it's quicker than others some it fortunately takes longer in a good sense than others but when when we go through an extended period of walking with God we struggle more and more that I have to earn and deserve God's help. That to get something from God, whatever that is I have need of, I have got to prove myself worthy of it. And what's so amazing to me is none of us started that way. None of us started that way. Because many folks, when they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, got baptized in Jesus' name. Some of them, that happened on a Sunday morning and the night before, they were someplace drunk out of their minds. Doing all kinds of stuff they are now regretting that they did. But they walk into the presence of God and the word of God is, is spoken and, and the opportunity is given and, 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 and the chance to receive the greatest gift that there has ever been. And, and they think, you know what? Hey, if that's for me, I'll take it. And they go down to the altar and they begin to repent and ask God to forgive them and then they begin to open their spirit by worshiping the Lord and, and after a few moments, a lot of times, they begin to speak in another tongue as the evidence that they have just been filled with the greatest gift, the Spirit of God. You didn't think about the fact you've been living a horrible life. You didn't think about the fact all the mistakes that you've been making the last couple of days and weeks and months because you responded to what was spoken with faith. If that started that way, there's no reason it can't continue that way. The Bible says a righteous man falls, but he gets up again. The prophet said, rejoice not against me, O my enemy, because I'm going to fall. But when I fall, I'm going to get back up again because the same forgiveness that was given the first time when I didn't deserve it is the same forgiveness that may be given the thousandth time. 
Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What a powerful, powerful verse. I've, I've used this so many times, preaching in one-on-one. I don't know, do we even have any Christian bookshops around anymore? There was one still in Pasadena. They're still there, okay. There used to be one forever in Annapolis. Of course, a lot of stores are the thing of the past now. <laughs> but you could almost without fail go into a Christian bookstore and you were going to find either a coffee cup or a painting or a photo. It was going to be this this beautiful mountain scene. And somewhere in the sky there was going to be this beautiful bald eagle soaring. And that verse was going to be on there, They that wait upon the Lord. I don't know, I, I can't say I ever looked that closely. I'm not sure exactly how those paintings or pictures were. But I know how most of us say that verse. Most of us say that verse. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. But they is not the first word of that verse. The first word of that verse is but. But. They that wait upon the Lord. Why does it say, but they that wait upon the Lord? Because the verse or two before it says something along this lines. Even the youth shall faint. And the young men shall utterly fall. But. So just because you stumble and fall. Just because you faint. Just because you mess up. Does not mean you need to throw in the towel. You just need to decide. You know what? I'm just going to wait on the Lord. Because I know what I did. I know how I messed up. I, I know the mistakes I made. But if I'll just wait on the Lord. I'm going to renew my strength. I'm going to be refreshed in my mind. And in my spirit. I'm going to be restored. And I don't have to give up because there is a solution. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Verse 3, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Listen to the way the message Bible says, verse number 3. Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? If you didn't have what it takes to start the process, what makes you think you now have what it takes to finish it? You don't, but He does. You can't, but He can. You can't change it, but He can change it. 
This is what the Lord says through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 2. And I'm going to read it just from the New Living Translation for the sake of time rather than reading the King James and then another translation. But Jeremiah 2.26 says this, Israel is like a thief who feels shame only when he gets caught. They, their kings, officials, priests, and prophets are all alike in this. To an image carved from a piece of wood, they say, you are my father. To an idol chiseled from a block of stone, they say, you are my mother. They turn their backs on me. But watch this. In times of trouble, they cry out to me, come and save us. They, they, they create all these other gods. They make all these other idols, but when they really get in trouble, who do they turn to? They come to me and ask me to save them. But why not call on these gods you have made? When trouble comes, let them save you, if they can. For you have as many gods as there are towns in Judah. Now you know what? If I would ask, This congregation this morning, how many of you have idols in your life? I would be surprised if I got very many hands. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if no one raised their hand. Because of course, we don't have graven images. We don't, we don't have things chiseled from block. We, we're not idolaters. Really. Whatever you prioritize before God is an idol. Whatever you prioritize before God is an idol. It may be family. It may be friends. It may be your career. It might be your education might be your ambitions, might be entertainment, whatever you prioritize ahead of God, it's your idol, it's the God that you have created. What's so sad is we live in a world that just doesn't get it. There's this idea, if I can just get newer. Bigger, better, nicer, I will be content. I will have peace. And so people spend their lives reaching for something in a way that you can never attain it. I don't know if I've ever shared this preaching. I've used this many times one-on-one with people. Years, years ago, I think actually, well, I know at least 20 years ago, I was in a situation where I, I began counseling a, a young person who was uh, part of a family that was in the church. In fact, they were, they were a pretty integral part of the church. They were going through some turmoil at home and, and this, this young person 
I haven't said yet male or female, right? Okay, I'm trying not to. This young person was starting to get out of control, their behavior. So I, I, I began counseling them. We don't counsel, but I began counseling them. On a fairly regular basis. Really the bottom line of what happened, what was going on was they had some bitterness that was taken over and controlling their life. And, and one of the things that was a symptom of the problem was, was some circumstances of their life. There were some things that others had that they didn't have. There were some opportunities that others had that they didn't, they didn't get. And there was a situation that was coming about that was going to actually address some of those things that were so significant. Or at least were thought to be so significant. And I'll never forget, there, there's a couple of times in my, especially my younger years that I remember and I look back on and I'm like, I know without a doubt that was God. Because <laughs> I was not smart enough to know that or say that. <laughs> and I remember telling this young person, I said, let me, let me tell you what's going to happen if you don't really deal with what the real issue is here. What's going to happen is this certain circumstance is going to change. And when that circumstance changes, everything is going to seem to get better. All of this turmoil and issues that have been going on in your family, is it's all going to seem to subside. I said, but if you don't deal with what really needs to be dealt with, it will only be a matter of time that not only will things be like they are, actually they will get worse. I am very sad to tell you today that is exactly what happened. Because a basin of water is not going to solve an internal need. A physical, natural solution is not going to be the ultimate answer to what you have need of. Judges 10 verse 11 says this. The Lord said unto the children of Israel, Did not I deliver you from the Egyptians? Did, did not I deliver you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites, from the children of Ammon and from the Philistines, the Zidonians, the Amalekites, the Mayanites did oppress you? And you cried to me and I delivered you out of their hand. I was thinking about it. I, I said that I can't remember where I said this. Uh, actually, I think it was out of town a couple of weeks ago when I was preaching. A couple of weeks ago, during one of the evenings of prayer, 
I, the, the, the thought just kind of crossed my mind. We, we've got issues that we're praying for God to intervene in in this nation that I feel like a lot of times we think they are so big that we don't really think God can really fix them. We just, but we pray. Makes us feel better or fulfill an obligation. But I, I, I was walking and praying and, and, and all of a sudden I began to think about in the Old Testament, the children of Israel represented the church in the New Testament and the ways in which God intervened for them. And it was not just in supernatural, intangible ways. I mean, it was real life, physically observed, divine intervention. A man stands with a staff in his hand by a sea and all of a sudden that sea begins to part and the ground that is remaining is now dry ground and three million plus people walk through that sea on dry ground. Do you honestly think God could do that then but doesn't have the power to do what needs to be done now? You honestly think God can take an entire nation of people out of a place of bondage without them having to fight, without them having the means to escape and deliver them by His divine power? And you don't think God has the ability to keep you from a virus that's going around? I'm not here downplaying the virus. I'm I'm saying if you're living in fear of it, If you're living in fear of it, you're missing a really good opportunity that God has provided to not live in fear. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That passage says a thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it's not going to come nigh you. I I delivered you. But now watch this. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Wherefore I will deliver you no more. Go and cry unto the gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you in the time Of your tribulation. You want to forsake me? You want to neglect me? You want to go after other gods that aren't gods at all? But then when you're in trouble, you want me to just come and rescue you. He said, just, just, you're going to create other gods, then, then go, go get them to deliver you. Go get them to help you. Go get them to fix the problem that you're dealing with. Knowing they can't. No matter how much money you end up making, it's not going to fix what you're dealing with in your heart. It doesn't matter what kind of car you end up driving. It's not going to fix it. If you've ever been blessed or 
not if you haven't had, that doesn't mean you're not blessed, but if you've, let me rephrase. If you've ever had the opportunity to buy a brand new car, not used car, brand new car, you know what one of the most wonderful things that can happen in that process after you buy it? Get a scratch. Get a ding. At Ford Expedition several years ago, leased, brand new. I don't know what happened, but I think literally within the first several days, of all places, right on the driver's door. I couldn't have been on the passenger's door because I could forget about it over there. On the driver's door, about dead center was a ding almost immediately. Really, that's a great thing because... It's a quick acknowledgement. You know what? This thing isn't perfect. Now I'm going to keep taking care of it. I, I like having a clean car. I like driving a clean car. I'm going to keep cleaning it, but you know what? That ding's going to be there and others are going to be there and I'm not going to stress out over every little thing that goes wrong. The problem is when you create the idol, when you create the God, you've got to preserve the God. Oh, hallelujah. Some of you live stressed out because you've got to prop up the God you created. Some of you, that's the standard of living you're trying to live. You made that God. God didn't make that God. And so you got to work two and three jobs and stressing out just trying to make ends meet because the God you created cannot survive without your help. But oh, there is a God. There is a God that I didn't create. He created me. There is a God that is way bigger than whatever I'm dealing with. And if I will trust not in what man can do or what I can do physically, but I will trust in the power and the ability of His Spirit, He can do what I need. He can do what I need. He can do it. He can do it. He can do it. No, 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 no. Doesn't mean you're going to make everything perfect. Doesn't mean there's going to be. I, I've had this conversation numerous times. I, sometimes my wife makes fun of me because I talk about flowers now and talk about other things, and all that's a sign of old age. And then. My whole family laughs at me because I have now begun to enter that stage where there's a decent likelihood at a meal, some meal, I'm going to end up walking away with something from that meal on my clothes. Just apparently what happens to all of us awesome dads as we age. Now the problem is, even when that happens and they're not around, all I can do is think of them laughing at me. Because that actually happened Thursday. I went and got a smoothie at the Amish market. Got in the car and didn't pay attention and it tilted a little too far. And a little bit of strawberry smoothie and whipped cream got on my shirt. And I think literally about the first thought was, I sure hope my family doesn't see this. you know what there's some things I, so just this all that to get to just the other day I was in 
forget who it was, maybe somebody that's here this morning was in the, actually it wasn't, was in this conversation. When you're young, young being 20, 30, <laughs> not that beyond that is old, let me finish. But when you're young, you go to bed at the end of the day, worn out, your body's hurting, all the work and toil. You wake up the next morning, you feel great, get out of bed, taking on the world. Some point that changes. Some point you go to bed feeling pretty decent. Not awesome, but decent. And the alarm goes off. And your mind says, move. And your body says, ouch. Several times a week, there is a train that comes through my bedroom in the middle of the night. It has to. What other explanation is there? I tell on my wife. Earlier this week, Neck was giving her fits. Guess when all that started? During the night. You're young, you pull muscles when you're awake. When you're old, you pull muscles when you're asleep. Because when you're old, you're more delicate knowing, I gotta be careful, I might pull something. You go to sleep and your mind forgets. Find myself waking up because I'm in such pain because of the position I'm in. What in the world? How in the world can your arm above your head cause so much pain? You can nip it, tuck it, inject it, color it. It's decaying. Because everything in the natural is dying and decaying. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't get old. He doesn't get decrepit. He doesn't lose his power. He doesn't lose his ability. He is the same today as he's always been. And if you're in this place today and you've been trying to fix some things in your life through natural means and efforts, can I tell you, you're in the right place because there is a supernatural God that is in this room right now who has the ability with just one simple touch to turn around what Whatever the issue is you're dealing with, one touch and addiction can go. One touch and depression will go. One touch and fear has got to go. Don't get me wrong. With some very knowledgeable people in this place, and I, I, I can perhaps hear some of you saying or at least imagine some of you saying well you know 
Pastor, you're just, you're just saying that whatever we do physically doesn't matter. No, 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 I'm not. I'm not. I've referenced now and some have noticed without referencing, I've lost a decent amount of weight in the last couple of months and taking vitamins and drinking water. Ew. Why couldn't, if water was such an important thing, please tell me why God could not have created water with Kool-Aid flavor. Why does water have to, and then water doesn't taste. Actually, I, all waters are not equal. There's some bottled water that if somebody hands it to me, I'm like, oh, man. If you're an Aquafina fan, God bless you. Every time I see an Aquafina Bible or Bible bottle, I'm like, no, 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 no. Thankfully, whatever this is we normally get here is pretty decent. Blah. Just blah. There's, there's nothing to it. Honestly, I think he could have. I like I like fruit punch Kool-Aid. Not the mix packet that you got a, the stuff in the the little container. Do you know what? I, I I don't know when the last time I've drank a soda, taken vitamins. I feel a lot better. Much to my dismay, because I kind of wish I didn't, then I could just go back to all the stuff I like. But I still have recognized while there may be some positive impacts on me physically and even mentally, there's still some things that ultimately can only be fixed by the touch of the Lord. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes. I can't wait to get back to being able to finish a message without any thought of how to do it and just do what we're used to but still not quite there so here, here's what I feel right now is your heads are bowed and eyes are closed not only for your own personal focus but respecting others around you you're sitting there right now and you'd be willing to acknowledge I believe the Lord's talking to me today believe the Spirit of God is talking to me this morning. You know you need what the Holy Ghost is saying and you know you need God to do something inside of you that can't be done through any kind of outward, physical, natural solution. As eyes continue to be closed, would would you just simply stand right where you are and lift your hands to the Lord right where you are? just begin to ask Him. Just just ask Him, Lord. I got some stuff that needs changing. I got some things that need fixing. I got some things I've been trying to find the solution for through my natural effort and means. I've been trying to finish in the flesh what started in the Spirit. I've been trying to work out in the flesh what can only be worked out in the spirit so God I'm I'm turning to you right now I'm turning to you today 
I acknowledge I need you. I acknowledge I need you, God. I acknowledge I've been trying a lot of different things to fix what's going on inside of me. I've been trying a lot of different things to fix the battle that's going on in my mind, to to deal with the confusion and the cloud in my mind. I've been trying a lot of gods that I have made, and it's just not working, but I need you and I trust you, God. That if I turn to you, even if I've rejected you, when I turn to you, you will respond to me. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on. That's it. Just open your heart. Just open your heart. Come on. That's it. Come on. The Holy Ghost is doing it for some folks right now already. There is hope. There is a solution. There is a solution. There is an answer for that blood you've got on your hands. There is an answer. In the name of Jesus. 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 Come on, the Holy Ghost is moving in here right now. Come on, the Holy Ghost is moving. If you don't feel like you need to respond for yourself, then would you just maintain the spirit and the atmosphere that's in here right now so that God can do for those who need something what they need. You can do it, God. You are a God who is alive and able to do what needs to be done. I'm going to lay aside my disappointments. I'm going to lay aside my disappointments from all of those other things that I've tried. And they didn't give me the answer. They didn't fix the problem. And I'm going to turn to you with faith, God, that when I call on you, you're going to hear me. He says, when you look for me with all your heart, you're going to find me. He says, if you look for me with all your heart, you're going to find me. Don't just give a casual approach to him right now. Don't just give a casual expression to say, you know, God, I could, I could use you right now. It, it would be nice if you helped me right now, but let there be more than that that comes from your heart and your spirit. I've got to have you, God. I've got to have you, God. You are the only hope. You are the only answer. You are the only solution to what I'm dealing with, God. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that's the place all of it really starts. That's where it all really begins. That can happen today. All you've got to do is repent of your sins. Ask God to forgive you for the things you've done contrary to His Word. And open your heart and spirit to Him today and He can fill you. You can be baptized today in those physical waters, but there be a supernatural transaction. 
the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there's somebody that's kind of nearby you, and again, if they've come with you especially, and they're praying right now, they're standing and praying, would you, would you join with them right now? Would you pray with them? Let the Lord use you to minister to them. Come on. You may not see it from where you're sitting, but I can see all over this sanctuary that God's doing something in some hearts and lives right now. All over this sanctuary, there, there's some people that have been trying to wash their hands to fix their problem. It's not working, but God is doing something right now. God is intervening right now. God is providing what is needed right now. Maybe you feel like your life is just a bunch of broken pieces. Maybe you feel like your life is just a bunch of brokenness today. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter how many pieces there may be. He can put you back together again. He can make you new. He can make you whole. Oh, have your way right now, Jesus. Have your way right now, Jesus. Have your way right now, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, 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 there is an answer, God, there is a solution. There is hope, but all of it's found in you. There is an answer, but it's found in you. It's not found in what I can turn to in this physical dimension. It's not found in what I can turn to in this world. It's only found in you. You're the way. You're the truth. You're the life. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Halamoko seye, arandolo bo seye. Ikayaramandolo bo seye, kiyaramandolo bo sataye. Ikayaya toroboko seye, alabai. In the name of Jesus. Come on, just a few more moments. 
I realize some of you may be ready to go and we're going to begin dismissing in a few moments. But again, maybe you can't see it from where you are, but I can see around this sanctuary as God is continuing to minister to some hearts and lives. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. God, I'm going to let go of the gods that I've created. I'm going to give up the gods that I have made and I've turned to. I'm turning to you today. I'm turning to you today, God. I'm turning to you today, God. You're my source. You're my answer. You're my only hope, God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name 